Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is becoming a sales hunter with my friend, Mark Hunter. How's it going, Mark? Hey, great to have you. Uh, I was going to say, great to have you. I'm on your show. What am I saying here? Wow. Wow. That's no problem. That's no problem. I wish if you have a show, I'll come on it. So, Mark, please introduce yourself and your company. Well, I'm Mark Hunter, and I'm known as the Sales Hunter. Yeah, when you got the last name Hunter, you might as well use it, right? It really works pretty good. So, oh, you didn't have to change your name to that. <laughs> people always ask me, "What was your What was your name before you changed?" No. So anyway, so the company name is the Sales Hunter, and that's what we're known as. And you can imagine what we do is we help companies hunt for sales. We all need that. We all need this. Is we are early. Early in the year 2022, and I know everybody's going, I have to figure out how to get more sales in 2022. And, you know, I I can say this having done sales for myself and for others that this time of year is kind of filled with anxiety a little bit and and anticipation because you go, I I know what I did wrong last year, but I have some customers. I got to keep them. I got to expand stuff with them and I have to get new ones. (laughs) So so hopefully you can give us some guidance. Yeah, I tell you what, January's always filled with incredible expectations, incredible angst. It's just like, ah, what are, what what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, but you know, it's by, I tell myself this all the time. I'm getting uh so I've had a number of years of work here and uh, I'm, I remind myself that you know every month can be the new beginning. Every every week can be the new beginning. The idea that, you know, you always just only start over in January. Really should just get that out of our minds. But anyway, Mark, before we get into today's topic, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights so we understand where the sales hunter became the sales hunter. Yeah, I I grew up in Seattle and uh, went to school in Seattle, went to college in Seattle. Funny story, funny story about my background. I, I, I proudly made the upper half of my class possible. I, I went to college to screw around. I mean, I, I told yeah, see, yeah. It, it takes a while for sometimes people to get it. I screwed around in college. The the only thing I wanted to do was be a disc jockey. In fact, I was a disc jockey. You're listening to the Mindy ninety five KQZ Radio seven nineteen. And You've got that was, voice. That was my dream job. But the problem is, you can't tell your parents that's where their tuition money is going. That they're going to become a disc jockey. So, what happened was, I wound up getting a degree in what I thought would be a job that I could kind of use it. And that was marketing. And then I'll, I'll get a marketing degree and uh, then I'll do uh, radio ads. I'll do voiceover work, et cetera, et cetera. And that was all good and fine until shortly before I graduated. My senior year of college, I bought a new car. It was a Toyota Corolla. Okay. But hey, look, when you're in college, Toyota Corolla is a hot car. Okay. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And what happened was I got like four speeding tickets in the course of about eight weeks. Now I'm in college, so I'm not responsible for my actions. Okay. Some of you parents understand that line. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> right. I uh, paid the tickets and I went on my way, graduated. And about a month later, I get this note from the insurance company that uh, they weren't dropping my insurance. They were inviting, inviting me into the high risk pool. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I which was meant, there. Yeah. 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 Which, which meant I couldn't afford, I, I, 
I had to make a decision because I had a car payment, I had apartment rent, and I had now ultra high insurance. I couldn't afford all three. Something had to give. That's how I wound up in sales. I wound up getting a job that supplied me with a car. Exactly. You, you yeah, I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. Now, I was so good at that first sales job, I got fired. <laughs> I got fired. So it's okay. I got a second job with a second company car. It was a Buick. Buick. Oh, sweet, sweet ride. That job, I didn't even last a year. I lasted, I got hired in December and I got fired in August. So I last, what, eight months? Got eight months in that job. Yeah. So I got a, I got a great track record in getting jobs with cars. I got a third job with a third company car. And it was finally at, at that place where I began to figure out what sales was all about. Because up to that point in time, I, I, I really viewed sales as kind of like going bowling. The customers are bowling pins. My job is to knock you over, take your money and run as quickly as possible. Right. Hey, that doesn't really work out too well in the long run. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> Right. So you got a big gap in here. You've been working for a while, but you, you when did you start the sales hunter? What was what were some of your jobs between between the beginning and the middle? You must have you must have used some of those sales skills to get pretty good at it. Well, I did. I, I, I wound up then spending about 15 years, probably 15, 16 years in corporate roles, sales roles, moved all over the country, had a great ride, really, really was able to kind of master the whole sales piece. And then in 1998 is when I said, you know what? I'm tired of working for somebody else. I'm going to go do my own thing. So it was in 1998 that I said, I quit. And I put out my shingle, the sales yeah. hunter. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a scary moment. <laughs> yeah, I've been there myself. That's those scary moments. You know, one thing, I, I suspect you've seen it all because you had all these different corporate roles, but... I'm always kind of amazed by when you get into different sales organizations. Probably it was even worse back in the day. I was more in engineering then, but I remember kind of hearing like these oh, always be closing and these uh, old myths and sales was looked at kind of like manipulation in some places. It was, I got to trick these people. And it felt like, you know, I'm this normal, regular guy with all these regular relationships. And then I go to work and I'm a crazy person trying to trick everyone I talk to and, and trying to use mind games on them, I, Jedi mind tricks. And it's, it's almost the same way. Do you ever hear people talk? I know there's some overlap with this with men talking about, you know, dating women where, you know, you're a regular guy. And then all of a sudden you're like, why are you talking to the, these women like this? Like this, as if there's some sort of, you know, magic switch I'm going to turn on and they're going to go, yes, I want to work with you. Or yes, I will go out with you. I, I'm always amazed by that. I think it's not so bad now, but. Well, I, I, I tell you what, I, I proudly say, no, I'm embarrassed to say that <laughs> I had a brown plaid polyester suit at one point <laughs> in my life. Now, okay, I think some people can probably relate to that. Yeah, because it, it was, I mean, in fact, it's funny. I, I, I used to tell people who, I, who, uh, who are my friends, I'm not in sales, I'm in marketing. I'm in marketing. I'm a marketing rep. Right. No, you're in sales. Yeah, it, it, because it was, it was, it was a slimy, but see that that's, what's kind of cool because over the years I spent in corporate roles and now my roles, I, I view sales. My, my definition of a great salesperson is the same definition of a great leader. It's to help others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. Right. You know, you think about what what is logistics all about? 
it's helping helping companies achieve what they didn't think was possible. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this this business is changing. So we're, I know you've worked a lot with transportation logistics companies, so I, I'm sure you've got some other views on it. But we've changed so much, I would say, in the last 10 years. And I think a lot of the changes come from marketing kind of growing up and becoming more important. Probably if you went 15 years ago, the majority of logistics and transportation companies would say, we don't have marketing, we have sales. We don't yeah. need marketing. We need sales. I don't need. And I've even heard people say, I don't want marketing. Just give me leads. When I did digital marketing, people say, Joe, I don't want marketing. Just give me leads. And I think in some ways we have all this private equity money and venture capital money. And they come from other spaces where they say, no, you hire marketing people. We have a website right? and we, we do webinars. We do podcasts. We write white papers. We tell people a little bit about us. And that's not all what you need for sales, obviously. But then they kind of approach it from that way, which feels a little more 2022 than what we were doing not 10 years ago. But what is your feeling on where we're at today compared to where we were? Oh, I mean, the the whole logistics of logistics, and I love the name of your podcast, <laughs> has become so sophisticated over the last 25 years. <clears throat> I've got family members that actually own trucking companies. And I remember being at their house, you know, as a kid, and my uncle was the was the president, kind of the owner of the trucking company. Right. He was as gruff as can be, you know, all, all the all the stereotypes right. that we can possibly imagine and all these things. And it really has become a, a an art and a science. And it's much more, much more than just about moving item A to item B or storing item A or doing right. something of that nature. And, and that is, I think, what is making logistics be such a valuable asset, not just to the entire supply chain, but to the economy. Right. And I, I, I sometimes use this analogy. I'm here in the Detroit area. This, I should say, story. 50 years ago, if you were in Detroit area and you were in automotive, you would say, we have suppliers down in Ohio, and we have some in Indiana, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, some down in Texas, maybe a little bit down in Mexico, very little, uh, some in Canada. And I would ha I have a trucking company that helps bring the stuff to my facilities. Flash forward to today, say, I have a ton of stuff in Mexico. I have a ton of stuff in China. I have stuff in India, Europe all over the place and this and the the production is so much more sophisticated i've just in time right so mm -hmm. so now i have warehouses and i have trucking companies i now have to worry about the shipping over the oceans so it became so much more sophisticated with the 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 digital element that you know where you say god i need technology before i said i need trucks now i say i need trucks and technology and it went from zero to 60 seemingly in a generation oh yeah i mean i remember working with walmart going back 30 years ago and you know they were on the cutting edge cutting edge of logistics and they wanted to even understand the tensile strength of of corrugated cardboard and and right. all the they, they, they would inspect all of your facilities and all this and it was like unheard of back then how now that's become the norm Right, you know, right. And the sophistication of the industry. And let's not kid ourselves. You know, as much as we've seen the industry change over the last 10 years, it's going to change dramatically again. It is. Over it the is. Next 10 years. Yeah. I think there's going to be fewer of us. I think we're still seeing this consolidation, which brings us to today's topic. Yeah. We all have to get better. <laughs> we all have to get better at sales. 
the, the logistics part is hard enough, but getting new sales is, is I bet if I was to call a hundred companies today, if I could actually get through to somebody, I bet 90 would say, we want more sales. That's our problem. I, don't talk to me about, don't talk to me about uh, our technology. Don't talk to me about anything other than how do we get new sales? So how do we become sales hunters? <laughs> Well, the first of all, you you really have to ask the question: What is the problem? What is the problem I solve? You know, you know, as a company, just as you asked me before the show, Mark, what's the problem you solve? Any business, any company out there has to answer this question: What is the problem we solve? And then you begin to step back into really understanding who is that perfect client? Who is that perfect client? Right. And many times, what happens is. You look at your list of current clients and that begins to tell you, oh, what is the problem you solve? I mean, I was working with a freight brokerage company, I don't know, probably about 10 years ago now. And and we really reinvented them to where they're really only dealing with permitted loads that have to get picked up by a high lift crane and very specialized type of, of freight movement. But what has it allowed them to do? It It has allowed them to create a niche in the marketplace that they're known for. Right. You know, people call them and say, hey, I need help with this. Oh, that's a, that's a sweet spot to be in. Yeah. And, you know, I think I've talked about niches or niches, whatever you want to call it, in the past on my show. And I think, you know, if you were to look, there's probably 12, maybe 14 market segments. And every once in a while, I'll hear somebody say, well, we really work with all of them. And and I usually don't say, eh. That's really difficult because it's hard to have expertise in and say, I am really, really, really good at moving refrigerated food from distribution centers to grocery stores. And then somebody says, well, what about hazmat? We're excellent at hazmat. Oh, okay. Uh, It doesn't seem, (laughs) and that's not to say you can't have those, those verticals all nailed down. It just, there's so much work within refrigerated. If I was to say, all I have is, a chunk of this market. There's just almost infinite food to move, right? Right. And then if I say, oh, I'm really good at industrial or uh, manufacturing companies, they have unique needs too. And I feel like when you say you're really good at all of it, it means that you're skimming across the surface of all those industries. It means what you're really doing is you're not profitable at any one of them. And chances of you being in business five or 10 years from now is, is zero. You have to understand, you know, refrigerated. When we talk about temperature sensitive, that means different things to everybody. And, oh, we move refrigerated loads. Well, what's the lanes you move in? What, what, what lanes are you moving in? Where, where, and, you know, all of these various pieces. And, and this is where I tell anybody in logistics, and I don't care what sector, what segment of logistics you're in, you have to understand who is your ideal customer. What I say is you create your ideal customer profile. This is the type of customer you want. Because what this does is this this now changes the conversation. When when you call people that fit your ideal customer profile, you're no longer calling, hey, you got you want to do some business with me? No, you you are now able to ask ask them intelligent questions. You're able to have a conversation with them. Right. That is robot. And now they begin to see they begin to see you no longer as a vendor. Ooh, I hate that term, vendor. They now begin to see you as a partner. 
And that's where, that's where we have to be. Cause you know, if you think about it, logistics, and I, I, I take a, a page out of the Apple playbook, my objective, if you think about Apple, they've created an ecosystem. You know, if, if you had an, uh, an Apple, uh, iPhone, chances are you wound up getting an iPad. Chances are you wound up getting an Apple computer. Chances are you wound up getting AirPods. You, you are so caught up in the Apple in ecosystem. It. You're in it. You're in it. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but they charge a little bit more for things. <laughs> but but we readily buy it. And that's what I want to do with my customers. I want to create an ecosystem that I am such a critical piece of their business. They, they can't get out. You know, I've said this before on my podcast. I think it's an interesting point, though, is if if I'm skimming across and I say, I just I just started this company and they don't seem to specialize in anything. And I myself don't know any better. I'm just running as fast as I can. I'll talk to anybody who ships. Right. So I'm moving a little bit of uh, food, I'm moving a little bit of hazmat, I'm moving a little bit of oversized. Right. And then I call uh, a retailer and I say, hi, I would literally like to move your freight and where I'm very good at moving freight, blah, blah, blah. I don't have much to say, right? I just think it's so much better if I can call that retailer and say, usually I'm going to get their voicemail, I think, or I'm sending an email, but I could be saying something along the lines of, hi, my name's Joe and I work with five other retailers. I truly understand what you're going through. I understand that you probably have a problem with blank and with blank and with blank. And they go, oh, that guy gets it. Joe gets it. He he knows where I, he knows my problem. He I'm not just another name on his list. That that is so key. You know, one of the examples I love to use in logistics is the transportation of fuel and jet fuel. Jet fuel. You know that is a very niche item. And if you've got tankers that are moving jet fuel, that's all you can move is jet fuel. And then we even break it down into the types of jet fuel. And see, but this is understanding who your customer is and what is their critical need. This is one of the biggest things that I think separates the average from the great. The great really understand who is their perfect customer and they stay in that. You you know, what's very interesting, and, and this rubs some people the wrong way. I say, sometimes the most profitable business you'll ever get is the business you don't get. Whoa! Because it's, bus- because it's business you walk away from. Because it's business that you say, you know what? Yeah, we could move that freight. Or we, we could do this. But it's not, it doesn't fit. Right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow my resources to be used in the most productive. This is stay in your lane, period. <laughs> Right. So this is one of the things you help your, so when you're working with companies, you help them figure out who their perfect client is, yeah. who the, who their sweet spot is. Right. And it's not everybody. If you say, Oh, you, it, I've, I've said this. If you're, if you say you're every, everything to everybody, you're probably nobody to everybody. That's just the nature of business. We, and by the way, we've had uh, my podcast, probably four or five podcasts about selling businesses and the consolidation that's happening. All of those guys who are at the top looking and saying, I'm advising people on buying companies, consolidation is happening. And what are they looking for? Specialization. They want to say, oh, Mark, Joe, you got a little company here that does a ton of freight between Detroit and Chicago. Cool. Good to know. You specialize in automotive. Good to know. When you say, 
Oh no, we got freight everywhere doing everything. You name it, we got it. We move what if you if you have it, I move it. That's that's not as interesting a story. That's not what that's not what a prospective buyer is looking for. It's not what the private equity guys are looking for. So it's not just at the it's not just at the lowest level. This goes all the way to the top. Yeah, because that, that means the value of your business is a straight line to the value of the equipment you have. That's it. That's it. There, there, there is no, you have built zero equity. Right. So after, after you help your, your fledgling sales hunters become, know their perfect client, what's the, what's the next step? Well, the next thing is knowing the outcome that they solve. This is, this is what's absolutely key. This, this is one of the challenges we've been touching on this. Let's really get down and talk ugly here. What's the value of the load you're hauling? And where does that go? Where does that go? You know, what, what's the purpose of that? You know, if, if what I'm hauling is something from point A to point B that's just going to sit there for a month, that's going to go at a different value than something I'm hauling from point A to point B that has to arrive at a certain specific time to be used in a certain specific project, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and you got to understand what's the value. Because the example I love to use is out of the airline industry, okay? Now, if if you take a flight, we'll say, okay, you live outside Detroit. So we'll say somebody wants to fly from Detroit to Miami. And we'll say it's it's a grandmother or grandpa or an aunt and uncle that wants to fly from Detroit to Miami to see some kids, to see some grandkids. But they're retired. They've got all time in the world. They're going to shop for the cheapest flight possible. Same token, on that same flight, there can be an executive who needs to get down to Miami for a critical 9 a.m. meeting and has to then in turn get back that night for something else. Well, guess what? That executive who's going down for that critical meeting is going to pay more for a flight and is willingly going to pay more for a flight right. than that aunt or uncle. That's what we have to keep in mind because the value because that aunt and uncle, hey, if I get down on Tuesday morning or Tuesday evening or Wednesday, it's no big deal. I'm going to spend a couple of weeks there. It's no big deal. But to that business executive who's got to be there, right? that's time sensitive because of what they're doing on the other end. That's what we have to understand in logistics. Yeah. And I think so often we feel, I can say this, having come from this 3PL space where I was in a non-asset-based company and I was in an asset-based company, a company had trucks and warehouses. It feels like all everybody we're talking to is making decisions on price. And it feels that way. Maybe they aren't. But And it's funny, virtually every time I have somebody I talk to about sales say, they aren't, they aren't making decisions just on price. You're making it that way. And I'll, uh, I, I, which I have no doubt you're right. And I think if maybe it has something to do with that perfect customer. <laughs> it, it does go back to that perfect customer. I mean, again, you can go out to any number of bulletin boards out there and see what's the current lane mile. You know, what's the current mile mileage rate for this particular lane? And Houston to Dallas, huge amount of freight moves back and forth between. The oh, lanes. yeah. And you can see massive swings in that rate. And yet, if I've got a critical load, if I've got a critical piece of cargo, and I have to have it there at a certain time, whatever, and there's special needs associated with it, that's not that's not the critical need. But see, I think in 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 logistics, we've allowed ourselves to become price focused because we haven't been willing to take the time to really understand what's the critical need 
that the customer has. What's the, why is this freight being moved? Why? And what makes this freight need to be moved at this time period? Right. Yep. And I can say this the little logistics company where I was, uh, I was the general manager, COO, the, the titles come easy at small companies. So when I was there, I would, I would talk to companies and they would say, and we did mostly less than truckload. And what was all, all you, you mentioned the most profitable business is the business you don't get. We only wanted customers that were willing to commit to us for all their freight. Mm-hmm. So, so when I would call somebody and say, hey, I would like to talk to you about your transportation, blah, 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 whatever I was saying that day. Some companies say, oh, well, hey, great. What I'll do is I'll send you an Excel spreadsheet and you can fill in the rates for today's loads. And if you, if you win some, you get, you get them. And I would say, oh, no, I, I don't work that way. And they'd say, what, what do you mean? I'd say, I want to come in. I want to understand. I want to understand the entire entirety of your business. I want to sales touches logistics, accounting, your accounting people have to deal with logistics, your doc, obviously your operations team. I want to understand all the problems you're going through. And if they say, oh no, no, I'll send you an Excel spreadsheet that then, then I knew they want to deal in a transactional way that I and the company that I was at, we weren't going to play that way. It's painful because I've made all these phone calls to get to that point. And I kind of just want it to work. And and I think this is what happens to me as a salesperson. I so desperately wanted it to work that I was trying to wedge myself in. And, and, and here's another thing. Somebody would say this to me. You need to educate them. And I would try. But for the most part, my feeling was I couldn't educate them. I one time changed somebody from a transactional shipper to a, a relationship shipper, a, a contractual shipper. I felt like that's, as soon as I heard, I'm going to send you an Excel spreadsheet, I felt like that was over. I can't work that way. I can't tell you the number of times that I'd be sitting, I, I'd be working with a freight forwarder, working with working with a, with a you know, freight company. And the salesperson was, wow, this person just sent me this Excel spreadsheet. I'm going to fill in all these lanes, all these rates. And I go, oh. And, and, you th- and the first time you get one, you think you and, and, and Oh, and they're so excited. <laughs> they're so excited. Like that this this customer actually sent me this Excel spreadsheet and there's 300 lines on it, all these, all these lanes and all the, and I go, so you think, Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be lanes in there that we can pick off. I am sure. And I go, you know, here's the whole thing. The customer that comes to you on price is going to leave you on price. Right. And this is so, this is where you have to understand what's your ideal customer profile. What is the, outcome what is what is what is the need that you're solving for them and if i can do that then i can begin to establish myself as being able to create a relationship with you yeah and and to some extent those customers look and say you're the same as everybody else joe you're the same as mark is same as thomas same as susan everybody's the same and so I don't, I don't see any difference between you and all the trucks that you guys represent. They're all the same. The guy who's got a 25 year old truck, who's doesn't, doesn't have the money to keep it up to date is the same as the guy who's got a brand new truck and all the latest tech. And so it's interesting when you talk to trucking companies, most of them at this point, well, especially now in the, during the pandemic, but even before that, we're saying, look, guys, you're talking to a company that's got a lot of trucks 
We take good care of them. We take good care of our drivers. You can't yell at our customer service team. We're not the guys who are going to come in and lower our price $100 to, to win your business. We aren't doing it. And that's why they can afford to pay their drivers, right? And that's why they can afford good trucks that with all the maintenance. Well, that, that comes back to that whole, the most valuable asset is sitting in the cab of the truck. I mean, that we, we, we could run down. I mean, I, I'll still never forget. I was working for a company and um, we were, um, had bowls with lids and um, one truckload of lids could make about a hundred loads of, of, of stuff. And I still never forget this. This is back before GPS and all that sort of stuff. The lids never showed up at the plant. The lids never showed up. We we couldn't find it. And and it was about a week later when we when we finally got a phone call from a county sheriff. And I don't remember if it was in New Mexico or Arizona, but the trucker had got drunk, got thrown in jail, and the sheriff had impounded the truck. And finally, was saying, "Does anybody want this truck back? Does anybody want this stuff back?" Oh. God. And, uh, you know, I mean, you stop and think about that. I mean, you know, now this goes back pre-GPS. Those things don't happen again. But how many times, and we've all seen this, I mean, a freight forwarder, you get the wrong driver and you suddenly have your load held hostage. I mean, right. you know, again, right, oh, I mean, again, we, 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 can, we can run down Pandora's box here on this one. Right. But when it all starts because I didn't pick the right customer. So now I'm fo- focused on price and now I'm trying to cut corners anywhere I can. And I remember I've done this, even though the company that I, I the companies I work for wanted business where we had a relationship with these companies. I call them strategic shippers. We didn't have, but every once in a while, I would think I could convert somebody who was a transactional shipper. And they're always the back and forth, like, hey, I talked to somebody else. They'll do it for 50 bucks cheaper. Oh, hang on. Let me see. And then at some point, I'm calling anybody and everybody who will take that business for less. And it's not the best use of my time to find, hey, can I find this for $50 cheaper? Is this how I'm going to get rich? Is this how I'm going to live my life looking for <laughs> for, exactly. for somebody to for fifty bucks cheaper? Yeah, and 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 at fifty bucks, your comes right out of your pocket. I mean, this this is the whole premise. And well, if it doesn't come well, out of mine; it comes out of the carriers. But well, but yeah, it's a bad yeah, you thing. Sit here and say, oh, I I got I got a carrier to move it cheaper. Yeah, but you know what? Then you wind up you got such a cheap carrier that you're now having to babysit that carrier all the way through. Oh yeah. And well, how much or, time are you or spending? The relationship, you know, we have in this business, we have two customers. We have the trucking companies who say, Joe, Mark, go get us good business. And we have the shippers who say, Hey, move my freight. So it you know, depending if we're in the middle of, of yeah. those transactions. So we have to treat our people the right and keep coming back to them and saying, Hey, can I do this a little cheaper? That's not a, that's not a, a broker or three PL that I want to work with. That is so huge. That's why finding that, that strategic customer, which, which really comes down to what, what I always call that. I want to expand my relationship. Right. You know, and, 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 and I tell people if, if I'm doing a business with this shipper, I want to have a business review with them. I want to have a quarterly business review with them. Hey, these are the loads we've moved. This has been our on-time delivery. This has been our performance. Oh, by the way, we're taking pictures of pre and post, whatever the special needs might be. But what are what are you tempted to do? Because you want to expand. You, you want to come in and you want to be 100% of their shipping. You 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 want to take care of everything. That that's why I say land and expand. Expand. Land and expand. I love it. <laughs> I, it is. And, but see, this comes back to this whole thing that I don't close a deal. I open a relationship. 
I don't close a deal. I open a relationship. I like it. I like it. And it's about having, yeah, think about this, the drivers, you know, every, every coordinator has got drivers that they love, right? I mean, they, they, they have drivers because they've developed a relationship with them. Salespeople, this is what you want to have. This is what you want to have. You want to have this with your customers. You want to have that really, you, you do not close a deal. You open a relationship, right? And that is so critical. It's understanding their business. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting once you get a customer and, and by the way, I, we all have customers. So we all kind of have this, my feeling, and I've been in a, a automotive, I spent a lot of time in engineering and then I spent a lot of time in the logistics business and consulting and a, a, a lot of different businesses. And we all have customers who you build that relationship with and you feel like you, you're personal friends and you might even meet personally and you go, God, I'm, I'm really simpatico with this person. I, they get me, I get them. I'm going to take care of them. Right. And then we have other customers and this is also my experience that kind of hold you at arm's length. You, you, you know, we, they'll, you'll call them, they don't answer. And then you say, can we meet you texting them? They say, yeah, we I'll give, I'll call you next week. I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point I feel like I lose the business when they hold me at arm's length, I lose that business. Because I don't understand everything they want from me. They don't know what I'm looking for. I, we don't communicate our needs. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a, a personal relationship, but it's the truth because I don't. It, it, it is so key. And this is where you have to be able to communicate with them on their terms using their means. This is where, I mean, I, I see some people that the communication is by way of text message. I, I've, I've got clients today that our business relationship is basically by way of text message. I have others that's phone call, others it's email, others it's in person. Right. And you, you, you also have to have what I call the four-legged carpool approach. The four-legged carpool approach is never allow yourself to only have a single person relationship with any client, with uh, any customer. Man, you've got to have four legs. I mean, you've got to get somebody else that you're, you're having communication with. Because they could quit. Right. Exactly. I mean, I have I have watched more salespeople lose business. Well, she just quit. She was she was working the dock. She, she you know, she was working the desk, the freight desk, and she just upped and quit. Who else do you talk? Well, I didn't talk to anybody else. She was always great. Well, guess what? You just blew it. Mark, that reminds me of another kind of, and I'm sure this kind of also related to what the sales hunter does is I've sold business. I knew the 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 owner, CEO, they bought this company and I knew him. We did some consulting projects together in the past. And he's, I came in his office and I remember him saying, this is exactly what I need. What the technology you guys have, the, I love this. You're going to become my logistics company. And he goes, I've been working with like a dozen different companies. I, I want one. I want one, no, one neck to choke. Right. And I was like, perfect. And then he did something that was brilliant. And I'll never forget it. He said, hang on just a second. He called his doc and he called, he goes, I just called the doc. He's guys coming in here. We're going to talk to him. And he says, oh God, he goes, good news. He goes, we're making a change. He says, I want you to help these guys. They're going to take over the freight. I want to free you up to do this, 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 right? And what he was doing was he was paving the way for me to have a nice smooth relationship with the doc. I've also lived the experience where I sold somebody at the top and the guys at the bottom didn't want to make the change. And right. so I've, I've come to the conclusion, I got to sell the top to the bottom from the bottom to the top, everybody in between. Yeah, because 
the guys that's at the what... bottom, they, they could call and say, hey, Voss, uh, you know, and this would work. Say, I know you really like this Joe guy, but you know what? He sucks. We, 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 we are so much better off with the old guy. And he's going to trust him more than me because that's his guy who's on his dock. He has to trust that guy more. It's called building the relationship. This is what this is, you know, sales is relationships. And if if I am able to narrow my focus to this ideal customer profile, understand their needs, and be able to land and expand, I'm able to spend more time with fewer customers. And I actually create a more profitable business, which which is the next piece because the key thing is being able to do all of this profitably. All right. I mean, again. And if all I'm doing is filling out this Excel spreadsheet and putting, you know, lane rates in here, and I, this is a transaction and I have to understand that the business I'm getting, I have to make a good profit because if I don't make a good profit, I don't, I'm not able to put the right drivers right on this, on this load. I'm not able to have the right equipment. I'm not able to babysit enough. I'm not able to do all these other pieces that I need. And profitability is, you know, you don't stick around too long if you're not profitable. I mean, how many, how many independent truckers have we seen go out of business because they can't make their monthly lease payments? Oh man. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's also interesting when you get, I see this a lot in this business and, and again, it's hard to criticize anybody about this stuff because it is not an easy business. I mean, boy, I talk to a lot of people who, even in good times, there's there's challenges. And they think they get, they said, I got this customer. I'm moving 10, 10 loads a week with them. I'm not making very much money on it at all. You know, I lose a little on this one. I, I make a, make it up over here. But I'm my hope is that I do such a good job that over time, I can kind of get my margin a little fatter. And maybe I can find some carriers that are just as good as the ones I have, but lower price. So I'm going to, I'm going to make that, that margin. And, and I think probably carriers are doing the same thing. And it feels like I, I started a little substandard, but I'm going to, I'm going to get better as time goes on. And I'm going to get that little fatter margin as time goes on. That's a, I, I guarantee there's people listening going, yeah, Joe, that's what we do here. Oh, that that's that's the normal. I mean, that's the norm out there. And what happens is you always wind up chasing your margin and you never get you never get your margin to where you need it to be. This is this is the challenge. And if if I can't bring you in the front door at the rate I need, I don't want you. Period. And and I, that's hot that's hard talk. That's hard talk. And again, this gets back to I feel like we we keep people in our in our CRM who will talk to us, right? So they talk to us, and I go, God, I, Mark doesn't want to do things my way. He just says I can get on his list, but I I want I want that business. I want, and I know in my heart of hearts that I'm not going to get the right stuff from him. I'm not. He doesn't want to work the way I want to work, but he's still willing to talk to me, and I like him. We sort of have this rapport on the phone. And I took him to lunch once. <laughs> so, oh. so I want Mark to change. <laughs> just because the person will have a conversation with you does not make them a good customer. Okay. Just that we, we have to end that one right there. But again, it, it is, it's a real critical issue 
in our business. We don't get enough. We don't get enough good leads. That's the problem. Well, we don't get enough leads because we don't. We don't really know who. See, here's the thing. If 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 I know my ICP, you know, in fact, it's funny. I I, I was dealing with a and that's person, say that's that's your ideal customer customer profile. profile, and we were able and and dealing with this person yesterday. It was a coaching session, and he was working on leads. And I said, okay, here's 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 the database that you got to get access to. And it was a state, in a particular state that he happened to work in. It was a state database. I said, we got to get access. So you got to figure out a way. How do you get access to it? And he can. He got to fill out some forms, so forth. But that's where your ideal customers are going to live. That's that's the database you're going to work from. I mean, so in other words, it's it isn't rocket science. If you're willing to take the time, you can really figure it out. feels like I that's, mean, especially when you first get a gig, it feels like you don't have time. Yeah, I've got to hit the ground running. I, I got to get us, I, I got to be able to show the new boss. I've got stuff happening here. <laughs> it's a new year, new me. I got to show progress. <laughs> it is. Stephen Covey, I mean, he passed away, passed away a number of years ago, but he, he, you, he used to talk about the analogy of sharpening the saw. You know, right. before you go cut the tree down in the woods, you got to sharpen the saw. Finding your ideal customer profile, figuring out their outcome, understanding your source leads. That's what you're doing. You're sharpening the saw. So when you do go to cut the tree, it's going to cut down a lot faster. Right. And, you know, I mentioned this, you know, when you have people who are willing to talk to you, but aren't willing to kind of come along your way. And I feel like it is, you don't get enough good leads in your, in your CRM. So, so as a result, you're willing to keep in, I call it the sales friend zone, right? They're never, ever going to be, they're never, ever going to go out with you, but they keep talking to you and they're nice to you and they let you buy them lunch. And that's all you are. You're in the sales friend zone and you're never going to be able to win them to your way of business. But I think people hang on to those. And one of the things I've, I've said in the past to myself and people who work with me is, the antidote to that is go find somebody new. Keep finding yes. somebody new because if you keep looking at, I got twenty five people in my in my in my CRM, but they really aren't. They're really not the right fit. I'm in the friend zone here. This is the time to go get twenty five new ones and and forget forget these ones. Yeah, yeah. You 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 have to understand where are you fishing for leads, and just because somebody will have lunch with you or return a phone call does not make them. Now, I'm going to have conversations with people like that if they can give me some good intelligence, if they can give me some good insights. But I got to understand that because they're not going to be a they're not going to be a customer of mine. Period. Period. And I've got to move on. <laughs> That's the hard part. So, anyway, what I'm going to I'm going to do, I'm going to summarize this a little bit, then I want to get some final thoughts from you and then mm-hmm. I want to hear how we can work with the sales hunter. So, Today's topic, again, is becoming a sales hunter with my friend, Mark Hunter. And Mark, we talked really about four big things. And I think this is probably some of the things you do with your clients is the first one is your ideal customer profile. Know your perfect customer. Secondly, we got to know what problem we're solving. What problem do we solve for them? What problems are they talking to you about that maybe you know about, but hopefully your competition doesn't because you really specialize in that space. Thing I love what you said is land and expand. Once I'm in, it's not closing. It's not just closing a sale. It's opening a relationship. So I'm just going to keep expanding myself into their business. I'm going to get to know everybody from the CEO to the guy on the dock. Everybody's going to be my friend in that company. And then last but not least, we have to do all of this 
profitably. I can't keep lowering my price to win customers. I have to find customers that are willing and want to pay me enough money so I can make a good living, so I can live indoors and eat every day, and also keep all my 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 partners making money. I think I covered it. Final thoughts on this. I love your comment, so I can live indoors. That's good. <laughs> Not in a van down by the river. <laughs> Mark, I have spoiled myself and my children by living indoors and eating every single day. You're like, you know, as a result, I need money. <laughs> it works. It works. So- Final thoughts on this topic. And again, I know it's such a big topic and I know you do so much more than just what we talked about, but <laughs> put a bow on this. No, I actually stay very tight in that lane. I mean, I, I, I stay very tight in that lane because again, I have to eat my own dog food, right? So I can eat indoors. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So give us some, put a bow on this bad boy. Then we'll talk a little bit about how we can reach out and talk to the sales hunter. Yeah, he, here's something. I, I I want you right now in the month of January, right here at the beginning of the year, first quarter of the year, focus in who's your ideal customer. Look at your current look at your current customers, understand what makes them, create that profile, understand their outcome. What is it? What's the difference that you make with them? And then ask yourself with each of these that I have, how do I expand? How do I create more relationships? How do I get to 100% of their business? And then along the way, you're going to do that profitably that again that's the whole premise of what i do period period and when you're looking at your own it's helpful if you say i'm looking at the guys i work with i work with let's just say seven companies these guys i don't want any more of those so i'm not chasing that but i have three or four in the same space and maybe i'm good at this space that's where i want to get to know them better, get to know their problems better. So I can talk to somebody very similar to them that I'm not working with. Yeah. Don't hesitate to get rid of that bad customer. Don't hesitate. I mean, right now at the beginning of the year, this is a, this is a great time, you know, because you probably have, everyone out there has got customers that, but you know what? Well, they're, they're, you know what? (laughs) I make a little bit from them every month. (laughs) Cut them loose, cut them loose because you know what? You're not making money from them. At, at the end of the day, it's the 80-20 rule. You're, you're making, anybody out there is making 80% of their profit from 20% of their customers. Yeah, yeah. I want to understand who are those 20%. Yeah. That's where I want to focus. This is all tough love, Mark. That's the problem. And, it is. Uh, it is. I, I, I went through this with um, when I was at the little 3PL. I've said we are these transactional, we have a few of them. We're consistently raising the price on them until they're gone, and because I, I didn't have the I didn't have the guts, Mark, to just pull that bandaid off one day. Well, yeah, but you know what though, it, the way you get rid of them is by raising their rates. And you know, I can put up with any. You pay me enough money, I can put up with a lot of grief. Okay, I'm just saying, right? So, so it's okay. I mean, that, that's what I tell that's what I tell clients I'm working with. Just rate raise so. Somebody out there, if I'm working with you and I suddenly start raising your rate, maybe you'll get a drip that I don't like you. No. <laughs> so speaking of working with you, who is your sweet spot? Who do you work with and what do you help them do? Well, yeah, we, we work with small to medium sized businesses and exclusively what we do is, is helping them find and retain better prospects that they can close at full price. I've had a lot of experience working with freight brokerage companies, shippers, and so forth. And it, that is a real, and, and warehousing companies. And, you know, it's it's the logistics space, the whole supply chain is a real sweet space what I work. But, but it comes down to one thing. It's we, we help people find and retain better prospects 
that they can close at full price. That's a, hey, that's you a do world that. Looking for. That's a pretty that, that's a pretty good world, right? That's a pretty good life, right? Right. And and by the way, even in this booming market um, where people are re- people during the hot times here, when it's hard to get a truck, they really go to brokers more. And I still hear brokers who are saying, I still don't like the kind of business I'm getting. I still hear it. So it's even in good times, these things don't, the, the market going up and down doesn't necessarily solve any of these problems. You have to change yourself. No, it doesn't. But the market going up and down creates opportunities. I love volatile markets. Back when, when, when fuel's going up and down and so forth, I love it because volatility creates opportunities for me to have conversations. Uh, you know, the worst thing is a stable market. I don't like a stable market. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, Mark, are you speaking at any conferences? How do we, how do I hear more about you? Yeah, the best way to hear more, you, the best way is really jump over to my website, thesaleshunter.com. We got a ton of videos out there, a ton of content out there. My YouTube page, again, The Sales Hunter. Everything is around The Sales Hunter. Mark Hunter's actually a pretty common name. So anyway, so we had to come <laughs> you up better with- better type in The Sales Hunter. Yeah, yeah. so you it's- better type in The Sales Hunter. But yeah, that that's it. And and we do, we, we do speak at a lot of conferences, although what's interesting is I just had one I was speaking at this next week that suddenly- is yeah. canceled because because of COVID and so forth. So a lot of things, a lot of things are still up in the air. But yeah, I, I'm on a lot of podcasts and uh, books, high profit prospecting, and a mind for sales. Those are the well, two. What I'll do is I'll put links. Any links you give me, Mark, I'll put in the show notes so you guys can click on those books. Right. Yeah. And I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to the Sales Hunter and anything you give me. And what's interesting about this is I hear this all the time from people. They say. Joe, I can I give you a call? I want help with sales. And I always think there are people like you who've created just enormous amounts of content. And by the way, I've probably done 10 podcasts about sales. And rather than rather than that, rather than listening and, and absorbing all this great knowledge from people like yourself, people want to get on the phone and go, well, what, give me the magic bullet. Joe, can you give me those magic magic uh, sales pills? <laughs> Here's if, if if you're looking for a magic bullet in sales, look in your shower and it's found on a bottle of shampoo. Every bottle of shampoo has this. It's called rinse and repeat, rinse <laughs> and repeat. You know, I love that. I mean, you think about that, right? It is. It, it really sales. Sales is a repetition. Sales is a repetition and, and, and rinse. It doesn't mean you put the, the old shampoo back in your hair. It's new shampoo. I'm continually giving prospects new messages, new ideas, new, 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 new. But I got to repeat, repeat, repeat. That's how I land business. Now, do you work with people with people remotely or do you go to their locations? Both, both. We do right right now. It's probably more remote, but I do a lot of on-site work. Typically, I, I in a pre-COVID world, I, I'm, I'm traveling about 250 days a year globally. I'm all over the world. Nice. So it, um, yeah, it's crazy. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah. and sharing this. That you've got some unique insights on this space. And you know, when I say unique insights, a lot of this is kind of the blocking and tackling. But you know, just the way you said it, like land and expand and the risk and repeat. I like the new the new angle on stuff that we uh, we all need to do. Yeah, it's good. Great, great talking with you. And hey, you know what? So many opportunities out there. It's just getting out and doing it, making it happen. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate you taking the time. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. 
You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.